click a PowerPoint on a Sunday morning. You can't believe how nerve-wracking this is for me. I've had, as Louise was telling me, fairly sleepless nights for the last 30 days because I was responsible for buying the wireless infrastructure at the back. And when we got it, it didn't work. And I tried to speak to California and they've not replied to a single email. The help desk, not a lot. And I told them in a paragraph or two of what I thought of their service. And we tried it in the back classrooms, there was hesitation. The boys installed it and it worked perfectly. So thank you for not praying about it, you didn't know about the problem. And we're looking at prayer. And um, this has not been an easy one for me to put together, I'll be honest with you, because we, John, Dave and I, were allowed to pick whatever subject on prayer. And I picked a particular one. Boy, do I regret it. Because I went down a particular channel and I thought, I've got it. And then God said in the middle of the week, yes, but. And so I had the same talk, but each morning God says, take slide four, move it to position six. And I do that. Now take slide six, which was position four, move it to slide 13 and read. And it's been like each night. And it's been... Um, Lisa will tell you, November is not a good month for me in all my life because I get to November and I ponder my purpose in life. This has gone on for years, has it not? She's nodding. And, um, but it's got better. But I'm going through a long November at the moment as I ponder and reflect because in May the 16th is the 70th anniversary of this church. July the 18th of this year I become 70. So I've been thinking in the back, and I'll be here 60 years I've been to church here. And I've been reflecting about all my knowledge of the church, thinking about it, and about what God's done in my life. And, and the subject of prayer, it's quite unbelievable. You know, what people think about prayer as non-Christians, the fact we pray to this God you cannot see, and yet God does incredible things. And I thought, where to start? And I... I'd planned what I was going to say until Sharon did the worship. I sat there and said, God said, you know you were going to say that thing in slide 13? And I want to tell you a story about Julie's father, Len. We sat in room two one evening. I think it was a Monday. It was summer and we prayed. And we were just talking and praying about evangelism. And have you ever prayed that prayer? Show me more of you, Lord. Show me more about you. And so we sat there and Len prayed this prayer. What happens when you pray that prayer? Not a lot. Perhaps hear the birds singing outside. Sometimes you get an inspiration. Well, we sat there and he said, Lord, we want to see more of you. I didn't, but he did. And he said, we want to see... And I said, Amen. And then something has happened I've never experienced in my life. I sat in an actual earthquake. The walls were physically shaking, the ceiling was shaking. Remember, I'm an accountant. I deal in facts and figures. And this is something I've never experienced. Before. The walls were shaking for about 10, 15 seconds. We sat there and it stopped. And Len said, wow, what was that? And I said the most dumbest thing in my life. If you pray silly prayers, expect silly answers. And the walls just moved and rocked back and forwards. And I don't understand why. But this morning, we're going to look at prayer. But 
I'm going to start at the very beginning. Now, for you wise theologians, which is about 5 6%, you can turn off. But I want to go back. This is what a, uh, a French Carmelite nun said 100 years ago. I love it. Prayer is a surge of the heart. It is a simple look turned toward heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. And I thought, that is beautiful. Just to the turning of a head to God, to talk about the great times, then embracing the trials we go through. And if you come to Psalm 5, if you come to Psalm 5, it moves forward even the next step. David says in his first few words of Psalm 5, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. The expression of regret, a disappointment about something, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, this lament. Hear my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my crest before you and wait expectantly. We've gone from turning our head to waiting to God to respond. And that's what we want to do, isn't it, in prayer, to wait to God respond. And yet, you and I know, this is written 1,700 years ago by a Christian theologian, a person prays in a certain manner when cheerful, in another when weighed down by sadness or sense of hopelessness. When one is flourishing spiritually, prayer is different from when one is oppressed by the extent of one's struggles. I thought, yeah. When I'm on fire this morning, worshipping with Sharon and the team, it's easy to pray. God is great, it's fantastic. But when I'm in a situation where I'm physically hurting, I've been emotionally hurt, I've lost my job, I've lost my girlfriend, my wife has died, a child is ill, my prayers become quite different. They become quite short. A number of people say to me, Barry, I've not been well this last month or two. And my prayer life is gone. I said, I expect your prayer life to go. When you're struggling, your, your life with God seems to go down the pan sometimes. Because the worries of life just get in the way. They interfere. And I want to look at a particular story in Acts chapter 12. One of the elders said, you're not going to have a rant again, are you, this morning, Barry? It's going to be a gentle rant. But I want to encourage you and challenge you. There's more to prayer than you actually think. I say that because that's what I've felt myself. Acts chapter 12. It's about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to prosecute them, persecute. Now remember, John did Hannah and David did Lot. Abraham, I'm going to do Rhoda. Rhoda in the Bible? Acts chapter 12? Ooh, right, let's get there. So he, he wanted to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. That means having his head cut off. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers. 
Herod, intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Fantastic. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up quick, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was perhaps seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel disappeared. Have you had that happen? No. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable that this, this man, in a time of persecution, God wanted to save Peter, but not the other. These are men who worked, walked in the footprints of Jesus, saw his miracles, or heard his teaching, experienced the love and the hope that was in the Messiah. And he'd been saved. Let's continue on. Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda, Rhoda, she's come, came to answer the door. When she recognised Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she rang back with opening, exclaimed, Peter's at the door! You're out of the mind, they told her. When they kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Unbelievable. Now, for those who English is a second language, this word has two meanings. Unbelievable, it's incredible. Unbelievable. And you just think, how could they get it so wrong? Just to finish this little reading. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this place, he said. And then he left for another place. Is this a faithless prayer meeting or the least one of the dumbest? Just now, when I first read this, I was on their side. But I, you know, when you consider it, a disciple of Jesus, one of that special eleven, had been executed in public, beheaded. Peter was perhaps considered the leader of the disciples, and he was leading the church at this time in Jerusalem. And now he'd been arrested. Sometimes we pray, and I wonder whether I would have had the faith because. My faith in prayer is based upon my experience of seeing God doing things. My faith in God is based on the experience I've seen doing things. Because I saw the walls rocked, it definitely gave me hope and knowledge that God is there. And I can understand their fears, but actually, not to actually believe it, they said, well, he's dead, so they said, an angel's come. 
But that is so often the prayers that we sit in in church. I sometimes get told, I wonder if you can pray for the, a friend of my aunt who lives around the corner. It's her second cousin by a man removed. Could you pray for them because they've got a blister on their foot? And I go, hmm, I'm being honest. But when I sit with somebody who's hurting, then I can. I was trying to work out this week, as an accountant, how many times I've prayed for people in this church. I don't know if you tried to do that. And it went into tens of thousands. And then I thought, how many people have I sat down one-to-one, or with Louise, or one other person, and prayed, and 99% of those you've never known about, because I can't tell you. Some were just innocent prayers, but other ones, I've seen healing. I've seen demons cast out. I've seen miracles beyond my understanding, but it's those individuals' testimony. But to go to a prayer meeting and not expect. But then I thought, once they'd seen that, I bet the next prayer meetings were quite different. Because their experience of God had changed. Their experience of the walking with God had changed. Robert Louis Stevenson, the writer, oh, said this, A generous prayer is never presented in vain. The petition may be refused, but the petitioner is always, I believe, rewarded by some gracious visitation. 200 years ago, wrote Treasure Island and Jekyll and Hyde. But that fact is, a generous prayer coming from the heart, that's what he's saying, a prayer that is sincere. You may not get the answer you expected, but God will always visit you to tell you why. I want to change my talk, well, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but this is what I didn't really want to say, but I'm going to put, do what I, God keeps telling me. And when you pray in Matthew 8, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue, synagogues, on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And if you go to verse 9, you say that Jesus said, pray like this. And some years ago, I put up when I was talking, the, the Lord's Prayer, and we all said it together. We said, Amen. And this voice from John Raby called out, 24 seconds! That's how long it took to read the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus said, just pray like that. Is that it? Was it prayed with a generous heart? Do you understand the full context when it says, Father in heaven, my Father, I just want your will to be done. The fact you give me my daily bread... You give me sustenance, not just physically but spiritually, and suddenly you can take the words and go on and on and on. But the idea that God knows before you pray what you're going to pray for. I want you to answer this question when it comes up. Now, I don't want you to be offended by it, but I want you to think
I have a friend. He's just recently gone to be with the Lord. Known for about 25, 26 years. And he would ring me up, regular basis. Barry, how are you? I'm good, how are you? And then he'd probably tell me what he'd been doing for the Lord and what he'd been doing three, four, five minutes, ten minutes, and say, well, it's good to talk, Barry, bye. I'll put the phone down. He did that every time he spoke to me. I got used to it. Even I've met him in church. How are you? Yep, no. Go to his funeral, not recently, and a man comes up to give his tribute. Beautiful tribute about the men. It was, it was really a lovely day. And he says, um, we lived, I think, basically next door to where this man lived. And uh, I'll be at work. And when this man finished his job working for the Lord, he comes to see my wife and, and tell her what he did during the day. And he said, right, I'm off now. I said, said, no, sit down. I've listened to you. You've got to listen to me now. Tell what I've been doing all day. And it made me think the fact is, sometimes when we go to a prayer meeting, well, we're going to have four sessions tonight. Let's pray for needs in the church. What have we got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's pray for those. Let's, let's now turn our eyes to praying for the town. Let's pray. Yeah, great, great. Done all that. Let's turn for the country. Yep, yeah, let's pray for the world. And we do all our prayers, then we say, oh, time's gone. Let's close in prayer, and we go home. And God's going, am, am, I, am I allowed to join the prayer meeting? Am I allowed to speak? And, it struck, and I, I struggle with prayer meetings because, as Billy Graham um, said, prayer is simply a two-way conversation between you and God. Sometimes you have a prayer meeting and the leader says, okay, what do you want to pray for? So people chuck out their items. They said, I'll start in prayer. And he, he prays the whole lot. And I go, well, I can't say anything now. You've prayed it. And as my prayer life has gone on, I've more and more turned to this. This was said by Mother Teresa. God speaks in the silent of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. And I used to babble and believe that the longer my prayers. For example, we have the intercessory prayer group. And you put your item on there and you think, I've got a 60% chance of God answering my prayers if enough people pray. I'll get it onto the men's WhatsApp as well. I'm up to 70%. Louise, shove it on the women's WhatsApp. I'm up to 80%. But should I not be saying, Lord, and quietly, and now I tend to say more often about my problems, Lord, when I say, Lord, I don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say. You know my heart in this situation, and I don't have the words. Lord, Help me. And more and more I've come round to that. Because I realise I was in John's class at school. He was top, I was the bottom. We were 41 in the class. I was always 39th or 40th. And I was terrible at English. And I'm born here. Terrible at it. But, and somebody said to me recently, can you hear the birds? Now, what it was, I have hearing aids now, which I forgot this morning, Louise had to bring them. And the person said to me, and it was Monica, she said, I said, I'm not sure what I need hearing aids. She said, can you hear the birds? Of course I can hear the birds, I think. And I put the hearing aids in, walked out my front door, I suddenly heard the birds. They'd come back. 
And I thought this idea of prayer, because if I told you the subject of the series, you'd go, it's prayer. Well, actually, it's prayer, conversations with God. And I thought, how long do I spend in prayer? And I suppose, I thought, well, most of my prayers done between three, four, five o'clock in the morning. When I wake up, I start praying, God puts hope. Then I thought, well, actually, when somebody has a tongue Sunday morning, the first thing I say, Lord, do I have the interpretation? And God says yes or no. He actually tells me. If it's a yes, I go, Lord, what do I do? And God starts to say, right, listen to the speaker, the tongue. Does it go up? See how he's raised his voice loud? You've got to speak loud. That person, that tongue is, is whispering, whisper. That tongue, raise your voice and lower your voice. Don't you to do it. One tongue, I remember this, Dave gave it and God said, listen, he's going to repeat a word twice. Make sure you say the same word in the same place. And Julie recognised after she said to me, I heard you do that. I'm listening, I'm talking to God. When I have a prophetic word, I have to talk to God. Sometimes when I speak, God tells me that it's for a particular person. And I said, Lord, show me. And so often God says, they just walked in the door. Oh yeah. One time, I went to greet somebody, touched their arm, and God said, by the way, I just remind you, this talk is for them. Each time those people come up to me and say afterwards, that was specially for me. And I can say, I know it was. I need to hear the birds. I need to hear God's word. Sometimes I need hearing aids. I had the joy of sitting at the, dine, the kitchen table with Monica this week. Monica and Solomon are people that have taught me so much about being a Christian. You really have. They've taught me so much. And Monica sat there and we were just chatting away and I said I'm doing prayer as my subject. She said, oh, and we just chatted away. Uh, the challenges, we've been through similar cha- challenges in our life, how there are things you have happened to you you can't share very openly with other people. It's very personal. I wouldn't put them on the intercessory prayer because it's very personal and I perhaps have one or two a pray. And she texted me the next morning. I want to read you a bit of it. She says, Good morning, Barry. Some of this is going to be, be a bit lengthy. I wanted to say this to, to you yesterday, but I chickened out. As you said, you're continuing the series of prayer. I wanted to share something which, you, which happened about 13 years ago when you spoke about prayer. You might remember the sermon. Uh, maybe no. She said, I keep wanting to tell you how I felt, but somehow I never did. And during my morning run, when my thoughts fall into place and God puts thoughts in my mind, God, God prompted me to say it again to you. And she talked about uh, the situation. Because I said, I said this thing, God doesn't answer all our prayers, and I don't know why. And she said to me, you were wrong saying that. Thirteen years later, she pulls me up on something I said. But then she goes on to explain it. Monica and Solomon, Monica was pregnant. If I may, it had been a hard road. God had been in it. But there was another couple linked to the church who also tried for children. And she goes on to say, of course, although we were praying for the same thing, I don't know where she was with God. And this couple she talked about, highly spiritual, served the Lord, fantastic. She said, and here am I, a newbie to church. Why did God answer mine and not theirs? Well then, that's their relationship with God. This is my journey with God. And I thought, yes, such wise words. 
And she goes on to say, I want to read all of it. I feel that, like there's a reason. She said, when you spoke, it was, you were speaking to the two of us. I feel like there's a reason why I still remember what you said about 13 years ago. Even if it's not what you meant, but that's what I felt when, and that somehow might be feeling today. Sorry if this was long, it was long, but I felt needed to share with you. Why today? I don't believe in coincidence. I believe this was the reason you had to pop in yesterday. Please stand out, please stand out in the garden and listen to the birds a bit. It is beautiful. I thought, yes. Sometimes I look at the times I pray and I struggle. I need just to go outside. When I'm really struggling, I go for a particular walk. It happens about once a year and I'm struggling with something. I go to St. Mary's Church in the Old Town and I park my car opposite the church and I walk down the road, round the block, to end up in the graveyard. And I go to a particular grave of David and Yvonne Roberts. And these were the founding people of this church 70 years ago, but yeah. Um, incredible couple. Yvonne had six children. That's right, isn't it? Although one, one elder and deacon's meeting, David said, as a father of seven children, we went, seven children? We went, I don't know about six. Oh, yeah, six, he said, I've got. Now, six children. Five, at one point, under five, of which two sets of twins. Two sets of twins, under... And they fostered. She died at 51 with breast cancer. And she spoke to me when I was 13 years old. And I've never forgotten it, just to encourage me. Never forgotten it. And I stand by their grave and just read the inscriptions on their grave about their, the faithfulness of God, their trust in God. And it moves me every time to remind me. And the last time, as I walked past, I saw the church was open. 10 to 11, open, come in. So I went in and sat at the back and didn't see a single person, just sat for 20 minutes and just talked to God about what I was struggling with and going through. And it really helped to get out and hear the birds. Joyce Mayer said this, Prayer is such a basic foundation of a Christian's relationship with God. It's how we communicate and fellowship with him. But a surprising number of people, young and old, new and even long-time Christians, say they're not satisfied with their prayer life. How we beat ourselves up because we don't, we don't have enough prayer. Who puts that in your mind? I don't think it's God. It's the enemy. You're pretty useless, John. Dave, your faith just drives me up the wall. That's not God speaking. God says you're doing fantastic. Yeah, we can work on this, but we'll do it together. You're struggling, but I'll struggle with you. I spoke uh, two months ago on the word stand. I had two couples in the last two months have contacted me, not in this church, other churches, thousands of miles apart. Barry, can you have a word? Each of them, different reasons in their situation, which I've explored with God and given them. I don't know the outset of one. I'm going to see the person and hear more. But the fact is, they expect God to speak. May have picked on me. But they expect God to enter into a conversation with them to understand where they are and what it means. One is about the future, and the other one's about the future. The one about the, the, other one about the future is where they want to go, God wants to take them where to live. The other one, he could be dying soon. Potentially. 
but I don't think he will. But the worry is there as a husband and wife with an illness of blood pressure. And they want to inquire of God. Then I have young Sue over here, who's an inspiration to me. I sat in hospital with her one day, and I said, should I pray for healing? And she said, no. I went, why? She said, I've learned so much of God in my illness. I don't want to change it. That is humbling. We each are on different journeys, said Monica. We each are different relationships with God. But the common factor is, God wants to speak. In silence in your heart. Yes, we can go to our rooms. Yes, we can take a walk. Yes, when we gather together, if you're going to pray for half an hour, please allow some time for God. When I first became a Christian and came into the gifts of the Spirit, I expected, I remember having prophecy, and this one Sunday, Tuesday, I was in the room over there, and there's about 20 of us on this Bible study group, and God gave me this word, this prophecy. So I said, Lord, who's it for? And I went around the room, no, said God, no, 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 no. I said, Lord, everyone's a no. And I sat this whole meeting for an hour, an hour and a quarter. A quarter past nine, this woman comes rushing in the door, called Linda. I said, Linda, I've got a word for you. She said, that's why I come. Give it to me quick so I can go off home. And I gave her the word. Never knew what happened to it. What you recognise is that God, while I was learning this gift, God showed me how to use it. And while she had a need, she came to the place where God was going to give it. And that puts a double-edged sword in us. Not only we got to pray, you've got to be prayed to have the answer when somebody else has a need. And I thought, this is complicated. In July the 18th, I'll be 70. We only live three score and ten. I'm getting nervous now while I get to July the 19th. I'm in a new season. I don't know what the future holds. But I know I can talk to my father and find out more. And the fact of listening is the beginning of prayer. And I've just thought, I want to go back to the meetings where... We sit quietly before God. We feel embarrassed by silence. But actually, while we're babbling, we can't hear God. I just want to hear the birds again. I want to stand outside. I texted her back on this. I said, the moment I've got three children here, it's like a poo factory, basically. I've got these three kids. And uh, I just want to go outside and hear the creation singing. And when I hear creation singing... There's opportunity to hear God. And something I also learnt in all this, when we get people coming into our church who perhaps come with challenging backgrounds, don't know the Lord, what it reminds me, I say, well, if they come into the place where the Holy Spirit is, there's a chance they might find Christ. They might hear, not a word from the sky, but from your very lips. Your very lips something you say, something you do. I spoke, again in closing, a couple of months ago, and I said in the beginning, you know, if I knew what Christianity was about, perhaps I wouldn't, you know, the challenges and what I had to give up. If I know the challenge of having family, and the person came to me and said, I heard that, you were talking about a very private thing. I said, yeah, I need your help. 
I hadn't realised that what I said was personal. You wouldn't realise. She picked up on. Out of the mouths of babes come pearls. You may even consider, well, I'm the babiest of the lot. You'll have the biggest pearls. You won't be jaundiced like my people like me. You won't have got tired and have your rants. But God still keeps on speaking into our lives. When it's going great, we can praise, we can shout, we can cheer, we can clap. It's when it gets tough. And perhaps you don't want to put it on the intercessory prayer. Don't, perhaps you don't want your prayer banded about. Then find somebody just to sit down and say, can you just pray? Can you just stand with me during this period? You never know. Monica said to me, I tell my friends I'm praying for them in their situations. And she said, I get texts out, well, your God must be doing something. The situation's changed. Who knows what your prayers will do when you listen to him and he inspires you how to pray. I wonder if we could just bow our heads just for a short time, no more than a minute, so I know we've got more to do. And just talk to God and perhaps you'll hear the birds sing. Lord, when the wall was shook, I'd completely forgotten about it until I started preparing for this. Lord, when the next problem hits me, Lord, and I struggle, I will look back on the times when you did answer my prayers. When the problems are sorted out, you stepped in like a white knight on a charger. You came to my rescue. And if you did it then and then and then, Lord, I trust you today. And those times I know, Lord, when you didn't answer as I wanted you to, but you did something unexpected, Lord, and I don't mind this time because I just want you in the situation I find myself in. When... No, I can't share that. I will. We, we were talking, Louise and I, and we, I hadn't realised the day we started to try for children till we had our three kids was 14 years. And... Sadly, we lost our first child. And I remember coming to church and our mentor, Jeff Carr, was here. And he said to me and Louis, said, he said to me, he said, doesn't matter how you feel, if you're angry, tell God exactly how you feel. Two minutes later, another person came up to me, a wife said, what you're going through, tell God how you feel. He can take it. And we seem frightened of being honest with God. Don't be embarrassed. Because that's the rawness of some situations we find. Don't be embarrassed. Tell God how you feel and ask him to minister to you. Amen.